So uh, week two, the desert places in your life. Uh, I'm talking about when I was in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and where I spent uh, a couple years there. Uh, we have uh, it's my, where my wife went to school, New Mexico State University. There's my wife right there. <laughs> I don't think anyone else in here went, went there, but... Um, but uh, actually, maybe none of, you, none of you have been out to, uh, to out west, and it's just the whole landscape and everything is just so different out there. It's, it's very beautiful. And uh, so I want to show you, show you some pictures. Uh, now, if you're watching this online, um, you're not going to be able to see the pictures. Um, so that's why you need to come to church. So, um, so first picture, we have uh, White Sands. Uh, if you've ever, anyone ever heard of White Sands before? All right, a few of you. Um, it is just miles and miles of just pure white sand. It's awesome. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. The sunsets on that white sand, and uh, people actually sled down these hills, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. It's a national monument there. Uh, the next one we have is the uh, Oregon Mountains. Not Oregon like the state, but Oregon like what's inside of you, Oregon Mountains. And um, that's, I basically had that view out from my apartment every, uh, every morning and, and every night. That's, that's what I saw uh, out of my apartment. That's actually not my picture, but, uh, but that's what I saw. And it was just beautiful, beautiful mountains, um, just amazing, um, just God's creation. Next one we have is uh, Adobe uh, Style Houses. Um, that's, that was actually my house when I lived there. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> it's a nice house, though. Uh, but um, just very, very unique uh, architecture uh, out there. Next one we have, uh, Mexican food. Who likes Mexican food over in here? You know it's good when everything just kind of spills into one another, you know? And you just, I mean, just, oh, eat that up, man. Eat that up. Now, in, in uh, Las Cruces, when you went to uh, a restaurant, they would ask you, uh, would, do you want red or green? And it was either red chili or green chili. And you had to know, like, what places, you know, because some of them were really hot. I mean, like, you'd be sweating, you know, while you're eating. And um, you can get really cray-cray and ask for the Christmas one, which is red and green. And I did that a few times. So um, I love uh, Mexican food so much. And um, so many people took me out. That I, was, you know, I, was, I was just, I was young, I was single, and I had a lot of uh, old, old ladies take me out to lunch. And, and they always would take me out to Mexican food. And uh, so this is what I look like. Um, yeah. That's about, that's, that's me and Sabrina, and that's about me uh, 30 pounds heavier, because I love Mexican food so much. There's, I'm a little meaty, aren't I? Um, but uh, actually, that's right before Sabrina and I started dating, and um, uh, we, uh, I baptized her that night as well, so that's, that's right after that, and um, so I just wanted to share a, a few pictures. So it was 2003, uh, I was 24 years old. I was pastoring a church called Fairview Church of God. Um, I was pastoring, I was a senior pastor of a small church at 24 years old. Crazy, man, crazy. Uh, but those are some precious people to me. And um, I tell you what, you will never forget, you know, I will never forget the churches I've pastored at and, and the people there, and they're just so precious to me. Um, the people in New Mexico, um, I just, I love them dearly. And several of them flew all the way from New Mexico to Connecticut when Sabrina and I got married, and uh, just, just very special people to me. It was an older church. Um, I, did, I did about three funerals in the first year, um, and um, I, uh, I was able to grow that church from 60 people 
all the way to 40 people after my first year. <laughs> some, some people got the gift. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I was a full-time pastor, uh, and I was also doing uh, graduate work as well. I was going to sem- seminary. I was doing that online. Uh, I was taking about 12 to 14 hours of grad school uh, um, hours and working full-time. Man, I had no life. I, I just... Um, I was working all the time and, and reading all the time and studying all the time. Um, I worked alone, so no one else was on staff. It was just me, so I would go to work, um, and I'd be there all day by myself, and then I would go to my apartment, and I didn't live with anybody, um, and so I would be by myself all night long, and so you can imagine uh, how lonely it was. I did eventually have a roommate uh, towards you know, the last uh, six months or so uh, while I was there, but the last two months were, I believe, probably some of the most difficult time, uh, diff- difficult times out there, and probably some of the most difficult two months of my entire life. Um, Sabrina was in North Africa. She was uh, building friendship- friendships with uh, Muslim students out there. Um, one, of, uh, one of my friends uh, tried to commit suicide, just took a razor blade and just slashed himself, and thankfully he, he, uh, he didn't succeed in that. Uh, my grandmother, who uh, lived next door to me uh, in, o- in Ohio. Um, I was very close with her. Uh, you know, she was just a, just a great friend as well. And she was from Hungary, so she was just, she was just a little thing, but she was feisty, man. And, um, and she actually passed away while I was in New Mexico during this time, during this two-month two uh, desert time for me. And I couldn't be there while she passed away. And it was just, it killed me, man. It killed me. And... Um, and I still uh, remember my brother calling me and let me know that she had passed. And, um, and you know what I did? I, I, uh, I went to my bedroom, and I, just, I fell to my knees, and I was weeping, and I was praising God, man. I said, God, you were, so, you were so good. I love you so much, and I thank you for my grandma. And, uh, man, I just, I, I'd, never, I'd never praised through my tears um, as hard at that time. Um, I was, during this two-month time as well, I was also about ready to resign from the church. I just felt like, um, I just felt like I did all that I could. Um, And also the church was on the verge of closing as well. I I got together, we had meetings after meetings with the church leadership, and they all felt like that that the church should close and we should, um, you know, give the church to another church that, that is thriving. And, and so I had all this going, guys, in two months, all this happening. And it, it was unbelievable. I mean, I was like, I, I just, I found myself in the desert um, literally and figuratively. And it was the hardest time of my life. And I, and I believe that God allowed me to be away from my family, from my friends, from everything familiar, so I would fully rely on him. Because that's all I had, man. All I had was God. I mean, I was, you know, 1,600, 1,700 miles away, and all I had was Jesus. All I had was him. Um, and I, I, have a, I have a journal. I, I forgot I wanted to bring it, but um, I, write, I write a journal. I try to write a journal about every year, and so right now I have, I have about 13 journals. And I was just going back this past week and just reading through that journal, and, oh, my goodness, God, is, he's so good. He's so faithful. And, and I would just share my emotions with God, um, angry, frustrated, 
I would praise him, and it was just, it was just so real, and, and I wish, you know, we just had a couple hours, and I would just share some of these journal entries with you, and, um, but I encourage you guys, man, if you're not journaling, that will be one of your greatest disciplines in your life, um, because we're forgetful. We forget what God has done, and when you journal, and when you go back and read, God just reminds you of how good he is, and, um, and he rem- reminded me that again this week. So have you been in the desert before? Um, or are you in one right now? Are you in the desert right now? Do you feel like you're all alone? Do you feel like uh, God has forgotten about you? Uh, that everything is just falling apart? Your, your life is just filled with pain and suffering? And, and, and sometimes do you, do, you, do you feel like, you know, somehow, God, did you make a mistake? Did you somehow make a mistake where, where I find myself in right now? Maybe you, lo- maybe you just lost a job. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you have a rebellious teenager. Maybe your spouse just left you. Maybe you're single right now, and and it's just so hard being single, and and you just desire to be married and have a family so bad. Um, Maybe maybe you've just been diagnosed with cancer, or you know someone that has, uh, or you have another health issue that's going on. Maybe this has been going on for months. Maybe it's been going on for years right now. Um, I read this, and it's, it's just so good. It's entitled Lessons from the Desert. It says, throughout Scripture, the desert is seen as a sacred place for intimate relationship with God. We can find examples of desert experiences all over the Bible. Abraham and Sarah were nomads in the desert where they discovered God's plan for their lives. God led Moses to the desert where he lived for 40 years in preparation for leading God's chosen people from their bondage in Egypt. Jesus himself spent 40 days in the desert where he was tested and ultimately filled with the Holy Spirit to be ready for his public ministry and death on the cross. At times we find ourselves in the desert because of our poor, of, of our poor choices or the choices of others. But most often we find ourselves in the desert not because of bad things we've done, but because that is life. And life is hard. And life is hard to understand sometimes of why we have to go through some things. So I want to look through Scripture right now. Uh, if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I think we also have it on the screen. Or if you want to put it on your uh, Bible app as well. And this is, I want to talk a little bit about what Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, experienced in, in his life. And this is just kind of an overview of his sufferings. Um, It says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. uh, Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and do I not, and do I not feel weak? Who is led into sin and, do not, and, and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Um, I mean, this is pretty intense. 
you know, when Paul talks about uh, five times I received from the Jews, the 40 lashes minus one. If you were, if you were um, flogged 40 times, it basically was considered death. So they were gracious enough where they, instead of giving him 40, they gave him 39 five different times. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people didn't survive some of that suffering. Um, this is a little bit hard for us to comprehend uh, of, of what some would have to go through for Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, we, we, uh, we go to Walmart and we can't find a parking space and we feel like God's forsaken us. God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, seriously, it's just, it's, it's crazy. I love this quote. It said, it is impossible to attain, I think we have that if you guys want to, want to put it on a slide. It is impossible to attain Christian maturity without trial and suffering. If there is an absence of adversity, there is probably an absence of progress and growth. That's, that's, a, pretty strong, that's a pretty strong statement. Um, if it's been years since you've experienced any adversity or trials or suffering, I'm a little concerned for you. I wonder if, 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 if you haven't, it's been, it's been years since you've, you know, you've, then I wonder if you're really living for Christ. And I, and, I, and I wonder if you're really stepping out of your comfort zone. Because when you do, um, Satan's going to attack, man. He's going to attack. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage, your kids, your family, everything in your life. And, and, if, and if you're not experiencing trials and adversity and, and even suffering, then you're just in your comfort zone. Are you really growing? Are you really maturing in your faith? Jesus didn't tell us to pick up our recliners and follow him. What do you say? Pick up your what? Your cross. I came across this on this uh, website it's gotquestions.org, and I really encourage you to check that out if you have questions of the, about the Bible, gotquestions.org. It's a really good biblical website um, that, that's just easy to understand and answers a lot of questions that, uh, that people may have. Um, but it says this. It says, take up your cross and follow me. People think it's a burden you must carry, a strained relationship, a thankless job, a physical illness. It actually means being will willing to literally die in order to follow Jesus. Commitment to Christ means taking up your cross daily, giving up your hopes, dreams, possessions, even your very life, if need be, for the cause of Christ. Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing some of your closest friends? If it means alienation from your family because of your commitment? If it means the loss of your reputation? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing your job? If it means losing your very own life? Our, diff our difficult circumstances don't define God. Our difficult circumstances don't define God. And are we going to allow our circumstances to determine our belief in God? Or are we going to allow our belief in God to reign over our circumstances. Because those are two different things. 
Nothing happens without God's permission. If he allows it, he will get you through it. Everything has to come through God. Everything. Is he the one that causes the evil? No. We live in a fallen world. And bad things happen to good people. But God allows things to happen in your life for a bigger purpose. God doesn't want you to be deceived. He doesn't want you to be, he, he doesn't want you to think that you're closer to him than you really are. He doesn't want you to think that you're, you're really depending on him, you're, you're really depending on your life on him when you're really not. And, and so, so he doesn't want you to be deceived. So, so who, who allows situations in your life to, to, for you to see who you're really depending on? Is it yourself or is it him? Do you ever, felt, do you ever, do you ever think that Paul felt alone while he was in those cold cells? You know, like they didn't have bathrooms in no cells. I mean, people just went to the bathroom right there, and then that's where you slept. And, and that's where you would eat your bread and water. I mean, do you ever, do you ever, do you ever think he felt deserted? Do you ever, do you ever think uh, that, that maybe he wondered if God made a mistake somewhere along the line with all that he experienced, all the suffering that he went through? And do you think that Paul learned to, to depend on the deliverer? I think he did. The desert makes us depend on the deliverer. That's point number one. The desert makes us depend on the deliverer. Point number two, God is more concerned with your character than your holiness. He's more concerned with your character than your holiness. He's also more concerned, I'm sorry, I messed that up. He's more concerned with your character than your comfort. He's more concerned with your character than your comfort. And he's more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. He wants you to become like him. He wants you to become like him and less of you. He uses both the good and the bad to transform us and guide us on the journey. God will use both blessings and trials to challenge us and to change us for the better. God can change any situation that he wants to, but he wants to change your heart. I mean, if, if God changed my situation that, that I find myself in, you know, in the desert, but he didn't change my heart, what a wasted opportunity. What a wasted experience. I would rather God change my heart than change my circumstance. I would. What if our main prayer was not God heal me or fix this situation? What if our main prayer was God, what do you have to teach me through this? God, this is a teachable moment right now. I mean, I would not have chosen to be in this situation. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I, but what do you have to teach me? And what if, what if we prayed, God, how can this bring you glory? This is really hard right now, God. 
and I don't understand, but how can this bring you glory? Do you think God would love for you to pray that? Oh, my goodness. He would take such delight in that. And what if our prayer was, God, how can you use me to touch the lives of others because of what's going on? I tell you what, guys, when your prayers become more about, you know, God, instead of God just fixing, fixing the situation and, and getting you out of it, and it becomes more of what do you have to teach me? How can this bring you glory? And how can you use this to impact other people's lives? That's maturity, man. That's Christian maturity right there. The desert can lead you to greater intimacy with God. The desert can lead you to greater intimacy with God. You know, I wouldn't, there, there's some stuff in my life that I would not want to go through again. I would, I would not want to go through all that I had to go through in, in New Mexico. But I'm glad I did. Because it shaped who I am. It shaped my, my, my relationship with God. It, 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 it helped me to become mature. And, and I tell you what, there are some things that only God can show you in the desert. There are some things that God can only show you in the desert. When does he have your attention the most? When you're in the desert. When do you learn to rely on God the most? In the desert. The desert can lead you to greater intimacy. Man, I learned to fall in love with Jesus truly when I was in the desert. I mean, I thought I loved God. I thought I loved Jesus. And it wasn't until I was in the desert that I truly fell in love. Man, I remember, uh, I mean, They've built, they've built up Las Cruces a lot more now since I've left, but I remember when I was there and, you know, I would look at those mountains and my, I would step out my deck in the back of my, back of my apartment and I, w- I would see those mountains and then I would even go for a walk, man, in the desert. <laughs> and I would just sit there and I would, like, I didn't even know what to say to God. I'm like, I don't even know what to say to you right now. And, and, and if you find yourself and you're in that situation right now where you don't even know what to say, you don't even know how to pray, I just encourage you to just sit before God and just say, God, I, you know, I don't even know what to say to you. Just speak to me and just listen. We, we, think, we, we always think that prayer is always us talking to God. Prayer is listening to God as well, if, if not more so than talking to God. And I encourage you to listen to worship music. Even if you don't want to, just, just listen to it. And, and, and let those words just speak to your heart. The other point is there is purpose in the pain. There is purpose in the pain. Um, I want us to turn to uh, Philippians 1, 12 through 14. Philippians 1, 12 through 14, we have it on the screen here. It says, now I want you to know, brothers, 
and sisters that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So what was the purpose of Paul's suffering, all that he had to go through in life? Well, it says that, that it advanced the gospel. It advanced the gospel. That the palace guards and everyone else saw that Paul was in chains for Christ. That it was because that he was pro- proclaiming the word of God that he was in chains. And it says that because of it, people were encouraged. It encouraged others to speak the, the, the word of God more courageously and fearlessly and confidently. Paul's weakness opened the way for him to boast about the strength of God's grace in his life. God wants you to quit boasting about yourself, and he wants you to start boasting about Christ, about him. He wants you to boast about his grace in your life. He wants you to boast about God's goodness. I mean, just today at lunch, I was talking to a guy that's that's kind of going through a transition right now, and, and man, I was, I was just talking about the God's goodness, how good he is. I said it several times, God is so good, man. He is so good, and he's so good to you. The desert is not just about you. And I know, you know, we live in the United States of abundance, and it's, it's all about us, but the desert is not just about you. What if someone got saved because of what you're going through? What if someone came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because of your desert that you're going through? Would it be worth it? You bet it would. We're talking about eternity. Your situation is temporary. What if, because of the desert that you're going through right now, someone was inspired to be bold, even more bold for Christ, and live courageously for him? Would it be worth it? You know, I think about Casey Swartz, and and many of you know her. Uh, I believe she's like 26 years old, and and she attends the bridge and uh, goes to our Princeton campus. I believe, uh, I think she's maybe up in Michigan right now, and um, she is going through cancer. Not the first time around, the second time around. And she's got cancer in several areas of her body, and she is fighting for her life right now. She's married. They have a little precious little girl. And, um, man, do you know how many people are being inspired by Casey Schwartz right now, what she's going through? Raise your hand right now. If, you, if you've been inspired by Casey's story, raise, would you raise your hand right now? All right, half the, half the people in this room know her and know what she's going through and being very inspired. And she would say it's worth it. You know, I was on her Facebook page today, and this is what she wrote. Um, she, her and her husband, Alec, got, they did their vow renewal today. They did a vow renewal. And this is what she wrote on her Facebook page. God, you are just too good. Thank you for my continued blessing. 
into our marriage and help us keep you at the center. What an amazing life I have. She's fighting for her life. She might not survive. She's married and has a little girl. And she says, what an amazing life I have. That is not from her, guys. That is from God. She has surrendered her heart to Christ and is living for Jesus. And as she has to go through cancer and not make it and people come to Christ because of it, it's worth it. It's worth it. What you guys are going through right now, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's not about you. Your desert is not about you. It's about him. And it's about other people coming to Christ because of what you're going through. You know one thing I do? I listen to people that have been through the desert. It's one thing to say that you love Jesus and that you're going to serve him and you're going to live for him. And it's another thing when, when everything falls apart, when everything falls apart and you're in the desert and you make it through with your, held, your, your head held high and giving praise to God, I listen to those people. I listen to them. Because talk is cheap, man. And people that go through the fire and make it through their testimonies. Their testimony. So just a little recap. The desert makes us depend on the deliverer. God is more concerned with your character than your comfort. And there is purpose in the pain. There is purpose in the pain. That's point number three. Now you guys will see there's another point there. Um, I believe it says, uh, you are not the Savior. That's the next point. But I'm not going to talk about that because that's a whole other sermon. So I took that out. I do want to say briefly, though, that um, sometimes... We try to rescue people in the desert, and we prevent God allow from we 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 prevent God doing His work in people's life, in people's lives. Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's a friend, whatever it is. This man, you can't rescue someone, and 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 there's a reason why that person is in the desert. And God wants to speak to their heart, so don't get in the way. You can be there, and you can love them, and you can support them, and you can comfort them. But God has got to do a work in their hearts. And that's all I'm going to say about that one. Um, I want to show you guys a, uh, just a four-minute video. It's called Known. Um, it's a couple named Jay and Catherine Wolf. Uh, Catherine had it all, youth health, beauty, but it was gone in a moment. Um, watch how losing it all truly gave her everything and then some. I had what's called an arterial venous malformation 
which is a condition in your brain that you're born with. It's congenital. And it grew and grew, and one day it ruptured. And when I was 26 years old, I had a massive brainstem stroke and nearly died. God saved my life, and in so doing, a lot was taken away. Life was wonderful before the stroke. I just had a baby, James, six months before, and we were living on the beach in Malibu. Jay was in law school, and life was fun and easy, and we loved our church. We're deeply plugged into our community there, and we're just really living out our wildest dreams. I was concerned because Catherine had felt a little strange that morning. And I went to the other room as my son was taking a nap and I was working on a paper and I heard Catherine cry out. I ran to her side and she was collapsed onto the ground and non-responsive. So I called 911 and the paramedics quickly came and realized she needed to be taken to a hospital immediately. And she was wheeled out on a stretcher from that place we had called our first home and she would never return again there. An AVM it's called, and it's a very rare condition that Catherine didn't even know she had until that moment when it finally ruptured. And the pressure building in her brain was so great that um, there was almost no chance for her to survive. And in that moment, having this idyllic, perfect life with so much hope and expectation for our future turned upside down. Losing my motherhood was perhaps the saddest and hardest thing above all other issues I faced throughout my ordeal. Before the stroke, I was able to have six months and five days of just pure joy with James. I was just a happy mother enjoying new life with the baby. Once the stroke happened, I was not able to really engage my son. I was not able to be much of a mother at all. Now today, while the picture looks different, I'm there, I'm with him, and I'm able to take care of him again. And it is the greatest joy in all of this is knowing that I can be his mommy again. We have been very blessed to suffer greatly at a young age because it informs the way we live the rest of our life. The future is definitely uncertain, but whose is it? We're living out a picture of what, if we're all honest, each of our lives looks like. We don't know what tomorrow will hold, if it will be the best day of our life or the last day of our life. Our circumstances and the storms that might surround our lives are not nearly as important as our turning our eyes towards Him. And in that dependence, in that trust, in that tension between an all-powerful, loving God and a broken world, we found hope. And in that hope, we found our identity. There was a uh, little girl named Kennedy Dean that goes to our Princeton campus, seven years old, and, and this happened to her. 
uh, several years ago, and she almost didn't make it. Um, but God was gracious enough to continue her life. A couple things that stick out to me in this video, Catherine says, she says, we have been very blessed to suffer greatly at a young age because it informs the way we live for the rest of our lives. Do you think that they have perspective when things happen now in their lives? Jay says, our circumstances and the storms that might surround our lives are not nearly as important as keeping our eyes towards Jesus. What you're going through right now is not nearly as important as you keeping your eyes on Christ. That's the most important thing. Uh, Catherine was in ICU on life support for 40 days. Isn't that amazing? 40 days. You can check out her more of her story at hopeheals.com. Um, you know, in the brokenness, in the desert that, that this family found themselves in, they found hope and they found identity. They found hope and they found identity. In the situation that you're going through right now or a loved one that is going through right now, in the desert time, they can find hope and they can find identity. And so can you. God will never desert you in the desert. God will never desert you in the desert. I'm going to pray right now, and then we're going to uh, close out with a song. God, I want to thank you for tonight. I want to thank you for just allowing me to be real and vulnerable in front of my church family, sharing some of the darkest times of my life, but also sharing about your goodness as well. God, you've been so good to me. You've been so good to every single person in this room. And God, we're either living for you or we're not. We're either hot or cold. There's no lukewarm. And I just pray, Lord, if there's anyone here that is just going through the motions, anyone here that, that says that they love Jesus, God, but, but aren't living for you, that tonight would be a turning point in their life. And it won't take a tragedy, it won't take uh, a desert for them to turn to you. They can do that right now, so when the desert comes, they'll be ready. God, there's purpose in the pain. There's purpose in the pain. And you allow everything in our lives to happen for a greater good so that we'll depend on you, so that people will come to know Jesus because of what we may be going through, Lord. Forgive us for being selfish. Forgive us for always making about ourselves and, and focusing on ourselves. It's about you. It's about you. It's about giving you glory no matter what we're going through. God, if there's anyone here tonight that needs to make a, a, a recommitment, a rededication, or a first-time commitment to you, and they just want to say, God, I'm, 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've made it about myself when it's about you. You died on a cross for my sins, Lord. I know my sins. I know my sins are many, too numerous to count. But if I believe in you, and if I surrender my life tonight, Lord, I will have eternal life with you. I ask you to come into my heart. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I believe that you will give me, give me meaning and purpose like nothing else or no one else ever will. If that's you with, with, with all eyes closed right now, if you're making a decision tonight, tonight, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand if you're making a recommitment tonight. I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. Tonight's your night. Tonight's your night, guys. I see your hand. Tonight's the night. God, we love you, we praise you, and it's about you. And may our lives forever be about you. In Jesus' name, amen.